Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hey guys, Keith Overt here, broadcasting live from Business Radio X studios here in Pensacola. And uh, this is a How to Keep Your Data Safe, sponsored by Conica Minolta, and I'm going to turn it over to TJ. So this is, I get to observe more today, which you is think great. So? I, well, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So, right. You got to help with some of the questions because you got the cheat sheet. I do have the cheat sheet. Okay. So good morning, by the way. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm TJ Edwards. I'm with Conica Minolta here in Pensacola. I cover the uh, panhandle here, um, for Conica Minolta and all covered our IT services division. And, uh, what we want to talk about today is, um, you know, how, how are companies securing their customers data? You know, we got a lot of things going on here at Christmas. People using Samsung pay. They're using credit cards. They're using all that data. And, and there's a lot of stuff flying around right now. And some people are scared about hacks. And so we yeah. want to talk about how they securing that and some of the uh, regulations on how they have to secure it, how long they got to keep it and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then what happens if they get sued, if they get hacked and how does that situation, what does that look like on the back end of it? Mm-hmm. And that's Sally so size got, at that point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a, that's a big deal, right? So we got a few experts around here that's had experience in those areas. Uh, hopefully none of them have been hacked yet. And if they have, then they can painfully tell us that situation and how they litigated through that as well so what i'd like to do now is kind of go around the room and uh everybody introduce themselves what company you're with so we'll start with rob over here well i'm robbie henson i'm a salt marsh cleveland and gunned here in pensacola florida we do it services it audits for financial institutions and uh, pretty much any company now we're kind of venturing into as well so we're on the technical side of of securing your data no math huh not for me. Plenty <laughs> lucky of people lucky you, me. right? So you're on the prevent side, right? On the prevent side. There you go. Proactive. There we go. Sally? Hi, I'm Sally Fox. I'm an attorney at Emanuel Shepherd and Condon, and one of the areas that I focus on is cybersecurity and how to deal with it if you get breached. Okay, so you're on the side after the accident happens. Side after, and also some preventative side, too. Okay, very good. All right, Reed. And I'm Reed Rushing. I'm the president of Beck Partners Insurance, and I've been basically studying and doing cyber for a couple of years now. And uh, it's, it's been an interesting industry to, to be a part of on the insurance side of things. Very good. Um, I got some interesting questions for you too. So uh, Stan Zimmerman, my right-hand man. So he's my software go-to guy for Konica Minolta and uh, uh, let him introduce himself. Okay. So I'm Stan Zimmerman and I cover in addition to, to the area that TJ has here on Pensacola, uh, I cover all the way over to, to Baton Rouge, but um, as he says, I'm a, a what kind of Minolta refers to as an overlay. So I work on the software side and support a number of reps like uh, like TJ. And he wears some of the coolest hats I've ever seen, man. <laughs> he is the Jewish mafia dude. Yeah, it's great. I love him. I he love this hat. He was 100 percent when he had the caddy. Yeah, he got rid of the caddy. And we had to knock him down to ten. So I saw one in Disney the uh, last time I was down there, and I almost got it because I was thinking about you. And I, I was like, no, I don't want to compete. I don't. It, but <laughs> it's, it's style. It's, you it's know, his like, brand. It means man. Something. So, it's his brand. Um, okay, so you know, for me, I'm the kind of guy that's really clueless in this world. So I think this is perfect for me to be here because I have no idea what data each of you have to secure, and or how you secure it. Or, or any of the other questions that you had asked. So I'm really curious what data goes in, uh, in CPA firms, obviously numbers, right? But you've got some other stuff. Well, I, I want to start off with the insurance guy, right? Sure. Because we all protect ourselves, right? We've got life insurance. You know, have no idea when we're going to die, right? You have no idea when you're going to get hacked. 
And one of the questions I always ask my customers all the time, I say, okay, your building burned down. How do you get your business back up and running? Right. And I've got a few of them that are kind of old, der in their seventies, eighties. And they're like, well, my building burned down. I'm done. I'm going to take my insurance check and I'm going home, you know, but I'm like, well, how do you get your business back going again? So how do you have that conversation read with your customers when they're buying your insurance, protect their content and also protecting their uh, facilities in that as well. But is there any type of insurance available for protecting the, you know, the the information that's out there available for them? Yes. Um, So there's, different kinds of cyber liability insurance. Um, you can have buy some that protects you from the lawsuits once you're hacked, or you can have some that protects you in your personal property. So there's first party and third party coverage on the cyber liability insurance side. Um, so if I get hacked and they take 2 million of my contacts information, all their social security numbers, everything else, and they sue me, mm-hmm. and then uh, they win a $20 million lawsuit from Sally over here, then your <laughs> insurance company writes them that check or whatever the value of that insurance policy is, right? Correct, yeah. And they would also protect you know, the information that they stole from you, the rebuilding of that information, rebuilding of that database. So if they stole it and, you know, and, and took it from you like a um, – the and in, in, encrypted your information so you couldn't get to it. Ransomware. Ransomware. Okay. Then they would actually pay for you getting the information back all along with the lawsuits and all the costs of doing the publications and notifications and such. Okay. So then let's move around the table. Well, real quick, do they actually pay the ransom or do they pay for the support? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's getting held hostage here, right? This is yeah. bla- It's digital blackmail, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. in reality, they, they have it for all, all sides of it, um, for they'll actually pay the ransom. They'll actually pay for the getting the, or getting the information back. If it's cheaper to get the information back and not pay the ransom, they'll find a way to pay for getting the information back one way or the other. So I guess that's pretty impressive that data has become such a viable product that you'll actually pay ransom for it. Oh gosh. Yes. I mean, it's, yeah, it's t- a t- like, I'll definitely play for mine, right? Yes. Yeah. It's the I get viability it. of your company. I mean, without the information, you know, uh, in the copy business, we all started off, you know, Xerox, our competitor, but thank you for inventing a really cool product. Mm-hmm. Kind of like and, Kodak, right? Yeah. yeah. And so we started connecting those devices to the networks in that. And so that's the reason why we have our all cover division now, our IT services mm-hmm. in that, because back in the 90s and that, one of the things we used to say was, well, if we can control the wire, the network, and we can help influence them buying the copier that connects to it. Right. So that's the reason why back in the 90s, the copier companies and that started getting into the IT services and that so that we could not necessarily control that, but influence all the purchases of everything that's hanging off of it. Right. And that, and um, so that's the kind of reason why we, we branched out into that. But going back off of Reed's question over there, coming back over to Rob. So re- recovery of that data, you know, he says they'll pay for that data. So talk about backups and how important in, in, gathering that data and how live backups work and such or yeah, so what backups, do you guys do backups are the best way to get the data when it whenever it happens we try our the last resort is to pay the ransom we've never had to pay the <laughs> ransom because then you're pretty much just enabling people and and the hackers of what they're doing if if it gets to that point it might have to happen backups are your best friend and backups that are tested regularly to make sure they're actually doing what they're supposed to do um we've had incidents before where a backup itself got encrypted 
because they got CryptoWare, it backed it, encrypted the server, encrypted the backup solution on site. Fortunately, we had it backed up in the cloud also. So there's many ways around it, um, but backup, testing your backup, testing restores, stuff like that, that's your best way to get your data as quick as possible. So there's a lot of solutions out there now too that you create the or back up the data itself, and then when you do restore, it restores to an actual virtual machine on an entirely different server, and you're back up in just a few hours. So it's gotten pretty impressive. So that when they encrypt your stuff that they've taken over, you can <laughs> and you've got backups, you can literally just delete what they encrypted. Yeah, well, actually, when it is encrypted, and I'm doing air quotes here, it's not. It doesn't encrypt it. It deletes the files. Okay, and then it just renames. It's like ha ha. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's like if your file was. <laughs> end of your reports, it just does end of your reports dot whatever extension this is. Yeah. So it actually gets rid of the file completely. There have been times where you can go and download a free undelete program mm-hmm. and it can recover that stuff. Now it recovers everything you've ever deleted. So there's a lot of information that you don't need, but sometimes it gets you that one file you have to have for whatever you're working on. And the word free is scary too. The word free is scary because it always comes with its own caveats too. But the words everything yeah. I ever deleted is scary. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your phone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, there's backups, 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 and protecting yourself with training is more important too, because training your people for knowing what phishing schemes are or not going to these sites and having good hardware in your network so you can prevent outside attackers from knowing network. where you're vulnerable, right? Right. Knowing your vulnerabilities. Sally, um, the crypto locker, how does that affect legally the world? And are there regulations or laws coming up to fight crypto locker and those kind of viruses and malware that's out there? And what are you seeing from the legal standpoint well, on the side of the world? Yeah, interestingly enough, our the U.S. has probably the least amount of laws governing that of than course. other countries. First Amendment, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, about 80 countries have very all-encompassing type of laws. Uh, the U.S. has done a piecemeal approach. So it has the HIPAA, you know, with your health care information, mm-hmm. your health insurance. It has fair debt collection practices with if you've, you know, got debts and Social Security information, account numbers, things of that nature. And so you have to kind of combine all those laws and see which one affects you. Um, but, you know, going back to kind of let's just say that you've had a breach and somebody's come on and gotten your data and the ransomware, as I understand it, and you can probably speak to this more than I can, as I understand it, it's not really because they aren't, in theory, using your data for a purpose, such as I've got all your credit cards and now I'm going to go spend them. Yeah, it's not necessarily social security numbers or anything it's after. It's just a stranglehold on your data, essentially. They're not, they're not necessarily using it for, I don't want to say malicious, because it is malicious it is. in the act, but they're not taking credit card numbers and charging up people's accounts right. and stuff like that. But if you've had a breach of personal information and there's right. a definition of what personal information is. And like that's JP Morgan and Target and all those Correct. Things, yeah. It's your number, your name, coupled with something like mm-hmm. an account number, a password, a credit card, something that they can now use, you know, your birth date, et cetera. And if you've had that breach, then you have obligations to notify different entities depending on what the type of data is. For example, you have to notify a state agency. You have to notify a federal agency. You have to then notify the people that their data have been taken. And that can be very costly because if there's a breach, it's not usually like 10 numbers that are taken or 10 information. It's pretty much everybody. And so I know that Reed's insurance will cover that notification process because it can be extreme. And it also requires you, depending on the type of information that was hacked, to print that in the media. And I'm sure we 
I know I've had a target card. I got the Mm. letter. I saw it in the paper. That was all generated by target because of the laws that require them to respond. Did you shred your card just to make yourself feel better? <laughs> I don't think it helped. Right. They sent me just a Just made you feel though. good, right? Yeah, it, was, it was maxed out already. Wasn't yeah, it? it's already <laughs> maxed out. They, you know, you go for the bank account, there's no money in it, right? That's right. Yeah. I use my last check, I'm out of money. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but one of the things that we can help with is if you've had a breach, determining one, whether you have an obligation, two, what that obligation is, and then help you implement it. And hopefully you have insurance so that it covers the cost. But because it can get quite pricely to comply with the notification process. So That's the, unrelated to getting the data restored back. and your customer confidence restored and so, you know, all those things. So you're a law firm. You're an insurance company. And you help protect the financial piece of it. You help protect the legal piece of it. And you said that you help them recover that information or to, to determine if they have a breach. So does your firm have their own IT company or do you all contract with somebody, you know, like, like Rob over here, and that, that does the e-discovery pieces of that? Or how, how, how do you help with that when you say so that? So typically people come to us, they already know they have a breach, right? They've discovered they have a breach, and their question is, what legally do we have to do? Who do we have to tell? Yeah, who do we have to tell? Who do we have to report to? And then that's when we start getting involved. We can help you say, this is who we have to report it to. And we can craft the documents to give notice, draft the letters, and help with that to the consumers and the customers, things of that nature. So the other part of this show or this talk about was also was what you're doing today. And and Rob will probably speak more to this than anybody will. But I'd be interested in like insurance companies. And you're also Beck Properties was real estate. So you're collecting a lot of personal information um, I had somebody. Yeah, that's like the firstborn, man. Yeah, <laughs> right. So they're, yeah, they're collecting, you know, everything about your company, about you know where you worked the last three years, your um, social security numbers from you and everybody else that you're going to put on the list. And um, you know, I had a mortgage company. They wanted me just to email that to them the other day, and I, you know, and I'm not going to use my work email because it's personal information, and I'm doing that. So then I've got my per- my my personal email, and I'm still hesitant about that as well. So. How do y'all go about collecting that information to make sure that it stays secure and your customers are comfortable providing that information to you? Probes. <laughs> Use a mail service or, um, or, or is there anything yeah, digital about go it? Go old school, right? No, yeah. I mean, we still have a lot of digital documentation. Um, we do transmit a lot of things uh, over the internet because of what we do. Um, social security numbers, uh, and, and personal information data bars. I mean, if you, if you've done a, you know, a personal auto policy anytime recently, they're asking for your social security number, your date of yeah. birth, your driver's license number, your address, everybody who's in your household, all that information. So it could be quite scary if, if your client is emailing that to you unsecurely. Um, they, we do require or request, um, would we, ask for that information, either do it over the phone so it's not digital, but it goes into our agency management system, which is cloud-based, and that is uh, secured. But if they don't want to do it that way, if they're going to email us or fax us or whatever their driver's license information, we do ask them to do it securely. We typically will provide them a a solution for that or ask them if they have a solution. But yeah, it gets, and there's all kinds of information that goes back and forth in our organization when it comes to private, uh, private information that can easily be taken. That's funny you say it because last, uh, 
call we had here or the conversation mm-hmm. here was talking about facts and how that's growing again in my industry and how people are starting to buy fact. We're starting to manufacture more fax machines now because when's the last time on the news you heard somebody's fax got hacked, right? And so that's a, a growing thing for us. But Rob, talk a little bit about how people can get information to your bank, your credit union, or um, a mortgage company, or, or even an auto guy trying to buy a car, how you can get that information to them securely. Um, if they don't want to tell them over the phone, they want to you know send it to them besides putting it in an envelope and having somebody just steal that out of the mailbox. So the most common people aren't going to have their own solution to do that. I know like with our office, if we're sending um, account numbers to somebody, it's automatic. We have an email system that scans every email for account numbers or social security numbers. And if it sees it, then it encrypts it. Personally, you kind of don't have a solution because your email is just going to go through a Gmail or a Yahoo most likely. And it's probably going to be what's called POP, Post Office Protocol version 3. And it's not going to be secure when you send it. Don't so, forget about AOL, man. And <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we it, it's it's hard to secure yourself that way. The best way to do it is over the phone. If you don't want to do it over the phone, you have to make a drive to the office. Um, it's uh, it's not friendly for people out there to send social security numbers and stuff. Adobe, actually, you might, this might conflict with something you have, but yeah, yeah. they have a, the e-docs now, yeah, which, which are all yeah. with our... We use it ourselves. All signed, yeah, which all signed. Yeah. I had to do a mortgage refinance myself, and it was all done through there. I mean, it's... it's um, it's worrisome. I worried about it when I was going through the refinance process just because I question those things because those are the things that, you know, we look for. A lot of people won't look for that thing and that's where your uh, your issues come up because they're just sending social security numbers to whoever. So phone or go in somewhere. The one thing people can't fake is your voice. This is hopefully. true. Hopefully. Well, yeah, I, and I would think that giving it to, over the phone is, uh, I'm saying, I'm thinking, you know, they pick it up in the airwaves or whatever, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't think that that would be a secure viable option. Well, most people just don't trust who they're talking to on the other side. Right. Right. You mean there's not really a Prince of even? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, you get the phone call and the caller ID, it says Discover Card. But yeah. you're like, is it really Discover calling me? I'm not sure if it yeah. is or not. Right. For us, you know, um, the other thing that we see a lot of, you know, where's the biggest hacks and where the biggest data penetrations come from or conflict or, you know, the result of that. And it's internally, right? You know, well, I mean, it's internally an internal person stealing right. information oh. in that. And um, I want Stan to talk a little bit about it. We have a solution um, that we we do, and it combines together with what you guys are doing over there, Sally, with eDiscovery and that. And it's called uh, Doc Audit, and it loads on all the copiers. You know, everybody's scared about the copiers, the 60-minute report that came out mm-hmm. like 08 or whatever that talked about every copier has all this data and everything on it. Well, kind of like Minolta, we came up with a solution called BizHub Secure, and it wipes the hard drive clean. So there's nothing on the hard drive. As soon as the job is over, it wipes it all out. So it's completely secure and clean. Well, our lovely lawyers over there are like, well, we want the opposite side of that. We want to know every single thing that's being done on that copier, and we want a copy of it. So we have a solution called Doc Audit, and that and basically everything that comes through that copier, whether you scan it, print it, fax it, or do whatever, it takes and take an image of that and puts it into a database. Yeah. Stan, you talk a little bit more about uh, Doc Audit or Doc some of our other competitors have similar things to it. Ours is called Doc Audit. So how do you protect yourself inside of your company from internal hacks? Right. Yeah. So this is more of a class of products as opposed to Doc Audit just happens to be one of the ones that, that, that we use, but, but, um, but there are a lot of, uh, output management solutions that allow us to 
track what's going through that device to see what um, what's been printed to recreate the document if we need to. Um, we're not just looking for um, for documents from a security perspective, but we can also help control some of the costs. Uh, for example, there's um, in in a lot of organizations the, the the use of local devices, local printers, or smaller devices has become too expensive or, or something that most companies are trying to get away from. But then what happens if you're printing something that's sensitive like payroll information? So what what a, a lot of these solutions allow you to implement is called follow me printing. There's, there's a number of different names for it, but there it's a way of releasing those print jobs at the device with the user's either a four-digit code or an ID badge or thumb scan or eye, eye scan. Blood of the firstborn, of yeah. <laughs> but this way, at least the documents aren't sitting out on that on sure. that device. They're actually released at the time that there is somebody or that you're that you're you're standing there. So, um, it, you know, it keeps somebody else from being able to see those. That's right. another good way of securing. Which, uh, you know, the Internet of Things we talked a little bit about on the last show, but right. and then before uh, we had that show, we had a couple other guests on, and, and Calvin was filling me in. That last hack that was the big one, right, came from a camera, the, a, a piece inside a camera from yeah. a drone or something, and they took that technology and they used reversed it and sent out the the hack. So it was like it's no longer the laptop or the the keyboard or even the copiers now, right? Yep, yeah. and the phones, yeah. 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 Today it's not all about, you know, keeping yourself from being hacked. You're going to get hacked. It's all about having the legal and the insurance and the IT pieces in place. I'm yeah. pointing at everybody, people on the radio, um, for the, our guests that are here, having the solutions and the infrastructure. And that infrastructure is everything from the legal side of it, the insurance side of it, and the IT piece side of it to hold so that you know how to react and how that happens right and educating yourself and getting yourself up to speed okay so let let me just throw this out there uh, as a small business owner as a startup company you know just a year old i didn't have all of the structure put in now, luckily we're in a place that had it put in for us right but what are some options from everybody here that i can come out of the gate as a small business low budget and really make this happen do i need a certain thing in the building to make sure it works do i need cloud or whatever and then what's like the the eco policy right right well i know from from the legal standpoint there are a lot of resources out there that are free that can teach you as the business owner what to do for your own business as well as your employees there are training programs um government the u.s government and the state of florida have, and some smaller groups have put amazing amount of internet data available for you to teach you how to train your folks now, that's not the piece for the firewall right. and stuff like that that you're talking about. But what it does is, for example, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, has a planning guide. If you're a small business, you can tell it what you want, what you need advice about, and it gives you a host of free resources that will tell you how to do it. One of our biggest gaps in, in our firm, and I think with other clients that we have, are emails, what you were saying, because... All of our breaches have occurred when someone got an email. And I know mm -hmm. that many companies are doing tests. They're doing spam email to see if any of their employees will open them. Sure. And I would say 100% of the time, some employee 
opens it. Robbie sent me two this morning. I opened them all of them. No, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we do some of that testing actually, and, and we have had a lot of very positive results. Positive for us, not for the positive for the bad for the company. Right. Yeah. And it's it's every time we do a test like that, it's it's going to happen. And, and what I always tell them is, your people are your biggest weakness, and that's because they just trust people. Yeah, I mean, it's just how it is. So human element, human element. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, as far as securing yourself as you know a small business, IT, you're going to spend a little bit of money. Firewalls. Um, okay, but it, define a little bit because in IT world, that's usually know, a couple no, grand. Right? No, not a couple. Grand. You okay. can get a you can get a firewall for a couple hundred. Okay, get a firewall and 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 don't just go buy a Linksys at Walmart <laughs> and install it and have your nephew or whoever install it because they know how to do it. Right. Right. I got a return to make. Yes, exactly. <laughs> get a professional to do it. Or a trusted professional that you know that will do it and get a firewall uh, and back up your data. You do those two. You're not going to be perfect necessarily, but you at least have some sort of way to recover what you do lose or prevent yourself from getting hacked from the outside with remote desktop and then train your people. Know yeah. what a phishing email is. I don't um, need to get my nephew, Jimmy, who's in 10th grade. That's really good with computers to no. set up my firewall. No, don't do that. Get a real firewall. How often are you suggesting people to back up their data? Every night. It should back up every night. And if you have some files, you have reporting issues. You know, we have to retain stuff for seven years. So do monthly backups as well as your daily ones. Do a yearly backup on top of that every year to make sure everything's covered throughout the past year. Mm-hmm. That's there. Every night, though, you should have a backup. And then you've, you've got to keep the paper on hand, too, don't you? We do. She has <laughs> stacks of servers and file boxes, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's there. Um we're starting to, our backup itself is local and across the U.S. and mm-hmm. actually in Australia. So if we have something happen, we're always going to be able to get our data. Right. That's us. Now, a small business owner can't do that. But there are cloud-based solutions that you can do that are affordable that will get you where you need to be. Yeah. So do you guys, and, and is, this, is it the same for your world? Yeah. The, one of the interesting things when you actually do look for a cyber liability policy, you got to go through an application process. The application process will cue you in on what you're not doing. Mm-hmm. And there are certain guidelines and certain um, minimums that you have to have before you can even get a cyber policy. So it's actually a good process just for anybody to go through the application process and look at, ooh, I didn't realize I was supposed to do this or I should be doing that. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so it'll, it'll, then you can t- talk base to your technology provider, IT provider, and say, I need to put these processes in place so I can at least get a insurance policy to protect me if something does happen. So, yeah. yeah so how of, do you see, sorry about that. How do you see like there's some people they will sacrifice technology or policies or procedures and throw the money back towards say the insurance or towards the lawyer to protect them, but not put the infrastructure in place. Because when you ask those opening questions as a technology salesperson, like Stan and I do, and they said, oh, well, I got that covered. And we try to dive deeper and they just mm-hmm. let us know they got it covered and then come to find out from somebody else in the firm or whatever. Oh, well, they say they have it covered because they have this insurance policy. And that's not mm-hmm. really covering right. the data itself. It's the insurance policy is what they think that they're covered with. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand going through that application, a detailed application process like that, that knowing what is actually covered and what is not. And on the insurance application, the cyber liability policies, the application, kind of like life insurance, ends up being part of the policy. So if you lied on the application, <laughs> right. 
Yeah, right. Then and you have a breach, and that coverage was you know misrepresented. You have no coverage. So you have to be very specific and accurate with the information that you're providing the insurance carriers, so you are properly protecting yourself. If you say you do a backup every every two weeks and you don't, and there's a there's a there's a breach, there's a possibility that the, the insurance company comes back and says we're not paying for this amount of coverage. Yeah, they they would deal into that deeply. Well, and when that doesn't cover the confidence that you just lost, right? And I would say 100% of the time, unless you are just cannot, your customers can't do without you, you have lost a huge amount of confidence with your customer base. And to rebuild that is very difficult. Right. So interestingly enough, in the cyber liability policy, there is PR expense. So just to recoup. Yeah, you you got there, there is a piece in there. But not only that, I so, mean, it should, it should be the responsibility of the customer to protect the insurance agency just as much as it is the insurance agency to protect the the customer and the data, right? So if you don't have the systems in place, how can we insure you for the things we need the systems right. to put? Yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. So cyber security, you know, we got uh, to art who was a speaker at ITIN wire a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, and we got the new uh, location out here at uh, softly that's opening up um, 200 something cyber jobs coming into town and that. So we see it <clears> growing in that. So you, you, you do cyber insurance and I'm going to do the kind of twofold and you do cyber uh, legal support on pre and post. What's the percentage of growth you've seen in that? You know, you, you got a hundred customers. How many of those have cyber policies now compared to two years ago? And how, I'm going by mine in like an hour, man. Yeah. So how, are, how are you getting regular calls from that now? Or do they even know that's available to them? Not enough people. Uh, well, never enough. Never I mean, enough. That's the sales uh, answer there. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> it's 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 ironic. You know, just kind of like what you said earlier about when you start diving into the questions, they all think, "Oh, you know, I've got it," or "I've I've I've already thought I about got that, that Walmart firewall. I'm good." Yeah, and when you get down to it, most people are, even if they do have a cyber policy, um, they bought it four or five years ago, and the, the policies and everything has changed. They may not have what they think they have anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I'd say less than 5% of the customers out there actually buy a policy. Wow. I'll be honest. I didn't know that that existed until Reed was on the list. Had no clue that that was was an actual need. I mean, I get it, but I just don't think about it for the small companies, you know, but I mean, even like, you know, the flower shop, they're Mm -hmm. handling credit cards. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they have an issue there. They have to do. And what people, most people think is, well, I have a, I have a, uh, I have a vendor that does my credit card. So I'm protected. And they don't realize that that protection is not there for their breach of their customer's data. It's, is you know, Sally can attest to this. If, you know, if I'm this flower shop and I have my credit card vendor and I get breached and my credit cards and my customers are uh, hacked and, and used for something, it's my responsibility. I can't push it back to the credit card company because of, in my legal contract, it it doesn't it doesn't cover for that. It right. is my responsibility as the owner. So, are you seeing more of those types of incidents on the pre well, and the post side? Or? What I do know about the insurance is it's frankly not that expensive. Right. It's really a bargain, and not to push read, but I mean. That's what we're here for. Yeah, that's what we're here for. I, I got to tell you, it's way cheaper than I thought it would be. So most people, the flower shop owner, could cheaper say, well, I can't suit. afford it. Well, you really can. Well, she yeah. said $20 million out of the gate here at the beginning of the show. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think a lot of things are probably cheaper, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, if you're looking at the average flower shop, stay with a flower shop, and you buy a uh, basic policy, not 
you know, not five million dollars worth of coverage, but you buy you know fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars worth of coverage, it may only be a hundred, hundred fifty dollars a year. Wow. So it's it's relatively inexpensive for those people that are the small businesses. If you get a larger business, you do a lot more transaction, you do a lot more data, you know, like insurance companies, you do a lot more, you know, data transfer and stuff. Then it ends up being a little bit more expensive. But even for our our company, it's a couple grand. I mean, and for what you're protecting, it, it's well worth it. And is that how the rates go? Like frequency and then you know size. It, yeah, it's yeah. basically the you know how many employees you have, what kind of revenues you have, what mm-hmm. type of business you have, and what kind of procedures you already have in place. Ah. So somebody who has you know gone through an, an audit, gone through all the you know stuff that would protect you would be cheaper than somebody who just basically has a firewall and- or opened Robbie's yeah. emails yeah. this morning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of to touch on that. We did have a client who was looking at cybersecurity insurance and they said, well, we need you guys to give us a penetration test and give us proof of our backups and our policy just because that helped them with the policy itself. So, but to put that into perspective in terms of this area in the last, let's say three or four months, I'm aware of at least two of our clients that have had to pay ransom to get their data back. And the minimum they paid was, was $500. Wow. So earlier though, when I asked you have paper and servers, right? You have paper and digital. He's talking to Rob people. You have paper and digital that you have to secure, right? Is there moving towards just digital? Are you going to not have to be stacking file boxes for seven years? There's a push for it, um, but it's uh, it's it's coming along. I think um, eventually it'll be that way. Yeah. But we still have a large client base that doesn't trust digital, and that's fine. I mean, that's how they are. That's okay. Right. So they bring it in, and we'll we'll work with them on that. But I think there's a push for it. It's just um, it's a couple years away. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Well, and as a lawyer. We drowned in paper. Yeah. I mean, it's a wonder our ceiling There's nothing like a good in. yellow pad and a pen, though, <laughs> That's right? right? Yeah. But lawyers are more and more going to digital. Right. And particularly when you finish a project for someone mm-hmm. trying to digitalize everything. The cost to go backwards, though, from years and years is pretty prohibitive. Uh, but going forward, um, we're trying to do everything digital. The court systems are now becoming more friendly yeah. to that. Yeah. And now you can actually show the the judge a document digitally as opposed to handing the judge sure. something. But the reality is, I don't know. I still like to read the news journal and paper. Yeah. I mean, people are more I, comfortable I like to hold with a book. paper. Yeah. yeah. I like to hold a book. And, and if you're talking about trying to present a case in court, you have people that are just more comfortable with paper. If right. you're showing a judge something or a witness something, yes, they can look at it on the screen, but it's just better yeah. in paper. So we still will always have, I think, paper no matter what yeah i think um with this business here and a couple of the other ones that we have it's still very hard to move completely to digital especially if we're doing layouts or looking at stuff or like you said reading you just you're right you like to have that in front of you but i know with our agency we're actually 100 percent data is digitized digitized i mean we have no paper when it comes to files we have no filing systems no file cabinets nothing but still things come in paper you scan yeah. it, you shred it. Right. Um, but you're right. It, you'll never get a fully away from paper. I think the, you know, the lawyers and the insurance industries put all their money into all the paper farms because they love, both of them love to send out just tons and tons and tons of paper. It's uh, billable hours, no, man. No, no matter, no matter how, how much we want to get away from, 
uh, paper. One way to bog and, down a lawyer, and, send them a banker box. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, you send them a digital they'll, file, they can just scan it. They'll, they'll just, yeah, I've, I've seen people actually take a digital PDF and print it and then rescan it. It's like, yeah. what? what's the number two thing printed genius. on a printer in an office? What is it? Emails. Emails. Yeah. yeah. It's the number two item printed. What's number one? Internet. Yeah. It's just a picture off the internet or information off the internet. Yeah. Emails are number two. If you look at the print log on the servers and that, it's emails, emails, emails. That's crazy. crazy. Right. The things that we designed to they just print be it because they want to keep a copy of it for yeah. proof, uh-huh. protect themselves. CYA, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, people don't <laughs> trust digital too. I mean, kind of just thinking back where you show a digital image for a judge, someone could question the authenticity of it sometimes. I mean, right. And if it's gone, it's gone. Right. Right. Yep. Whereas Sally wins because she's got the file box in the back that has the original, right? That's right. Or the second original. That's right. So, um, moving forward in your all's world, <clears throat> excuse me, I would like to know what do you all see as some of the best practices for securing the data or backup, backup, backup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like we touched on earlier. Backup, backup, is, backup, is backup. Your best practice. Um, training your people. Training. Yeah, take a look at maybe your facility, like see where you stand. Yeah, facility training, backup, firewall hardware. Get an audit done. Yeah, have the software in place to you know for emails to do a pre scan of the of the virus mm-hmm. embedded software or the you know, spam software. Spam filtering, right? Yeah, phones, it, that's key. I mean, that's huge. Uh, I think on my spam filter, I get two hundred and fifty spams a day that get filtered out. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and then I get another. Yeah, probably hundred just that don't get filtered out. But. That's why it took me so long to get in touch with you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a setting. That's a blacklist. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, one of the things that I've seen happen with our our clients on few occasion is everything is secure in the business, but then what happened is you have all your people that have all about the people from home stations uh-huh, and yeah. their telephones Laptops. and they're connecting to the firm and it got in that way. Um, You're, you guys are working on that exact issue right now, weren't you? Isn't that what you said last time? You've got part of the we had one. That- we had one that um, was a laptop that had an issue. That's resolved. <laughs> right. Which, but, but, but no, you guys were saying that part of your employment staff is starting to be mobile that didn't used to be mobile, right? So well, no, we've, on- we've, we've had a pretty mobile group. Um, they, uh, auditors that we don't ever see. You know, in the office, they're always gone. But we do encryption on the laptops to ensure security. Right. Um, we do regular training for phishing. I'll email my entire team, my entire office, for about a two-week span and do phishing. And right. still, it happens. But wasn't isn't there time, and I think this probably goes for multiple companies, but, like, you couldn't do tax soft stuff that wasn't there at an office, right? It right. wasn't on a yeah. secure oh, yes. lockdown. Yeah. So tax, yes, as far as tax, we're trying to transition those people to be able to work, you know, after hours. But yeah, they're happy about that, aren't they? they? Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a little more uh, attitude. Yeah. So, so yeah. And same in y'all's world. I mean, you guys are completely mobile, right? So was there ever times that you just, you couldn't be? I mean, other than, you know, in 1980 when the technology wasn't here. But Yeah, in the insurance world, your salespeople, you've got to be, You've got to be mobile. You got to be out there visiting clients, and the industry is still behind when it comes to connectivity to all the software. Even though most of the programs are SaaS-based, you know, they're web-based mm-hmm. programs. There's still a number of them that don't reside in the cloud, and 
they have to still come into the office or you know, VPN. And then you've got all the other security issues when it comes to people connecting outside of the office. So it's something that's looked at heavily on our side and you know, in our agency as you know, in general. Uh, and we're, we do everything we can to secure everything down and make sure that if they're going to bring their laptops in, that they are secured laptops before they get into our network. Yeah. Yeah. So same with your stuff though. Like you get on an open Wi-Fi network, right? Yeah. You can get into the printer and yeah, we have to send a couple two, cool pictures that, you know, freaks yeah, everybody two out. Two separate right? networks in our office. We have a guest network and then a private network that you can't even see. Um, so the guests can only get on the guest network and they're very limited on what they can do yeah. on that network. So but, we just but, but some people all. may not know to do that, right? Because yeah. our printer at first was set up to the, to the big house. Yeah. I printed from the parking lot. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Calvin realized what it was doing and fixed it for us. Right. Cause I, that's not my world, but well, um, these pictures come in all the copy. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, if, if you're ever bored in a conference, one of the things you can do if you're in a big <laughs> meeting and you're, you know, can't, can't stand whatever the speaker's saying or they're putting you to sleep, you can pull up the internet and just see how many people have open networks that you can get on. Uh-huh. It's extraordinary. Oh, there, I can get it's like six in my living room, right? Yeah. And we only have one. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, it's kind of funny. I was, I was going to make a comment earlier about your, you know, your fifth grader that was able to set up your, your network for you at home. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an article that talked about that middle schools in California were targeted, were heavily targeted because of the kids' uses of social networks and social media and not having the ability to um, to understand the hacking that goes behind that. So the people, the hackers were getting into the kids' networks and the kids' phones. And when the kids came home or the kids went to the you know mom and dad's office, they had instant access to the network, and they were able to hack in and uh, get data. And, you know, the Boy Scouts just launched a merit badge for that. So the Boy Scouts can learn how to secure. What's the merit badge? Like it's, cybersecurity? No, it's it's part of the computer technology merit badge now. That's they great. added that function to it. So it's, this, it's how to secure <laughs> your phones and things like that for the Boy Scouts. Pretty good. My son's going through that merit badge right now. So it's so not only it. your employees. Oh, yes. Yeah, children. It's, it's your children, it's, too. It's everything. I mean. You, you may have your laptop at home that your kids get on you know, and, and they've got a sign on your laptop and then you bring that laptop in. It's your, you, know, you have your sign on and that one's you know, encrypted. Or uh, d- Gmail is a- notorious for that, right? Yeah. You sign on and if you don't go back and delete it off, it's on. Whatever we need to get computer. Chad Berry. He's right next door actually over here. He works for Homeland Security and his main thing is teaching and educating kids. Um, I, I coached him. You might have graduated with Chad. Um, but Anyway, he, he teaches kids in that about cybersecurity and that. So when a kid gets uh, uh, kidnapped, like we had the one mm-hmm. in Guthrie's last earlier this last year, he's one of the first people that are called. And the first thing he does is he goes into the home and he takes all the phones, all the computers. And that's his job is to, to do the e-discovery and all of that and finding out where everything is, how the kid got the contact with whoever it is. You know, so uh, he does that. As, that's no charge for that service. You know, we need to have him on the show sometime. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Chad Berry... Homeland Security here in Pensacola, and uh, he does a great job with uh, teaching the kids and kind of scaring the heck out of them a little bit. Yeah, or scaring sure. the parents because he shows them some stuff because he'll like grab your kid's phone that's locked in three seconds and hands it back to him unlocked. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's I'm, pretty cool. So. I was just thinking too, not only that, but the data doesn't die, right? Unless right. It, if it's not deleted, oh, it's, it's there. there. So no. How weird to reverse engineer a, a scenario based on just the digital yeah. data that's left, right? Yeah. yeah. So. It's a scary you know, thought. <laughs> you're talking a lot about homes, and I know there are a lot of computer companies that will help with businesses. But are there some that 
individuals can afford to help the thats well there there yeah there's but, there is actually a website that people can go to i don't remember the name off the top of my head but it's just pretty much freelance people that log in and are there to help if someone at home needs help i don't know affordability of it because i know best buy is really expensive and um at home, there's some options like that. If it's hardware based, there are, you know, tech advances and stuff like that locally that do help with that kind of stuff. But there is a website that you can go to, create an account, log in, and someone can actually remote it and help you if you, if you need it that way. So. Very true. Um, that was my list. That's my cheat sheet. Did you have anything else? I think we're about ready to wrap up. Yeah. So I would like all of you to please give links, contact information, websites, anything that you all have going on in your organizations that the community may need to know about or help with. Well, I'm on the Humane Society board, which yeah. has nothing to do with uh, cybersecurity, but there are a lot of pets that need adoption right mm-hmm. now, and they make great Christmas presents. I wish I'd known we would have run one of those ASPCA commercials, right? That always yeah. make you cry. Yeah. You yeah. yeah. Um. There's always something going on for us. Uh, I, I can't remember all the things and all the uh, nonprofits that we're all involved with. But if you want to get in touch with us, it's www.teambeck.com. And you got both the real estate and the insurance on one house. We're all together. Yeah. So if you have any questions, uh, give us a call. We'll be happy to help. Anything new coming to the city we should know about that can be talked about yet? Yeah. No major yeah, purchase it, over the it's, holiday it's, weekend. It's interesting uh, now that I'm in in that building, <laughs> and I hear things that are coming on. I think everybody knows about it until uh-huh. I, I realize that nobody knows about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what people don't know or do know. Right. So I, I, or, or what you should say. Or what, people, I, or what yeah. I should say or what yeah. I can't say. Uh, so yeah, I I, I don't have yeah. anything off the top I, of my head. I can either confirm or deny. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very good. There. Yeah, uh, with Conic Minolta, the big push for us this time of year is Red Cross. Um, we have a yeah. company-wide push for donations and also getting involved and um, and helping with those situations and that. So I think there's a, I don't know, it's like a ten or twelve million dollar uh, goal that we have mm-hmm. company-wide to uh, raise that. I don't know where we're at right now, but any contributions or help, or if you if you need help with Red Cross or anything, we have plenty of volunteers that are helping with that. So, and yeah. I think there's a lot of people on their way to North Carolina from the Red Cross yes. to help with yep. that yeah, we, horrible fire they had. We've got t- three trucks, I believe, of supplies going there from wow. our company. So. Did we have a tornado here yesterday, too? That, that was in Mary Esther, yeah. 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 That's that's crazy. Crazy. It was actually straight line winds. It was not a tornado. No tornado. Straight line yeah, winds. just looked really cool, right? Yeah. yeah. Just, there, I mean, there were water spouts, but the ones that hit in uh, Destin and destroyed the yeah, I think it was 10 homes or uh-huh. you know, damaged 10 homes. It was actually, they realized it was straight line wins. No, huh. And my contact information is on all social media pretty much. Is at, at TJ Edward 07. That's right. Pretty much. Yeah. You, you're the Twitter only guy, guy I know that like uses full on Twitter as your like main contact. It, it works. It's I know. Easy. Yeah. I know. Well, I mean, but if you don't have Twitter, you have Facebook. It's TJ Edward 07. You have LinkedIn. It's TJ Edward 07. Instagram, wherever. Yeah. I, I grabbed all of those early. <clears throat> Uh, that's the way to do it, right? Because yep. then if somebody buys the .com, they don't have anything else. It's not worth it. Zero seven. It's a great trick. We've learned that one. Zero seven, my rugby number. Um, one of the things that you did talk about when you were saying you can go into and audit a business and stuff, you guys do that, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, a- somebody, so if somebody needed to know like vulnerabilities as you printed stuff from the parking lot to my printer, yeah. uh, you guys can do that. We do. We do. And then... Do you guys do that, Robbie? Or do we you, do. We do. We we used to focus on financial institutions. Now we're kind of developing that into medical and just any business in, mm-hmm. in particular. 
Uh, we've done stuff for the university and things like that. So, so not just in-house for Saltmarsh or no, Saltmarsh clients. No, we do it for pretty much anybody. Yes. And our audit, Fair game, mostly, huh? <laughs> our audit mostly is to, it's focused on the printers and the copiers and sure. where the vulnerability is there. We yeah. do, yeah, ours, pretty right. much everything. Internal yeah. scans, external scans, social engineering. Have like you that. had your copiers looked at lately? <laughs> we got new ones. I don't know. <laughs> we went down that road last time. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, contact? Uh, Robbie Henson. Uh, saltmarsh, www.saltmarshcpa.com. Uh, the phone number there is 850-202-8300 to put you right into our IT team. Any questions you have, and we'll be there. Very cool. So I want to thank all of you for coming out. I appreciate it. Thank you, Keith. I know thank this you. is, this is great. Again. TJ got to talk more and I got to talk. This, this yeah, is awesome. So. My voice is cracking. Now. <laughs> uh, you guys can find us at Picola Radio X on Twitter. You can find us at Picola BRX on Facebook, or you can find us on our, <laughs> webpage at uh, pensacola.businessradiox.com. And this has been Pensacola Business Radio, where business is good and your work matters. Mm-hmm.